Welcome to this Purdue Engineering Podcast, which is part of the College of Engineering's Rising to the Challenge series, featuring research that addresses critical issues related to societal resilience in the face of crises and efforts to engineer long-term solutions for a more sustainable future. My name is John Sutherland, and I am the Fazenfeld Family Head of Environmental and Ecological Engineering. This is one of three episodes highlighting a range of research efforts in environmental and ecological engineering, or Triple E. Triple E is the newest department in Purdue's College of Engineering. In a little over 10 years, we have matured into one of the largest environmental engineering programs in the US. We offer bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Triple E education and research can be thought of as consisting of two pillars. The first pillar is classical environmental engineering, the design of engineering systems to contain, control, treat, and mitigate legacy and ongoing environmental problems. The second pillar is industrial sustainability, which is all about creating systems that use energy and material resources wisely and avoiding or minimizing the generation of waste. Industrial sustainability can be applied to manufacturing, agriculture, urban systems, healthcare, and so forth. It's the second pillar that makes Purdue Triple E distinctive relative to our peers. One of our Triple E faculty focused on industrial sustainability is Professor Fu Zhao, an international leader in life cycle engineering, who also has a joint appointment in mechanical engineering. Professor Zhao, Please share what life cycle engineering means to you and some examples of your research. Thank you for the nice introduction. I will start by defining life cycle engineering. Life cycle engineering is probably the most popular methodology approach for industry sustainability. And keep in mind, when we talk about sustainability, we have three bottom lines or triple bottom line. And we have environmental sustainability, social sustainability, and uh, economic sustainability. My research is largely uh, focusing on environmental sustainability. And uh, I'm not saying the, the two other dimensions are not uh, important, but as an engineer, I feel more uh, comfortable working in the uh, environmental uh, dimension. Again, there are lots of uh, collaboration opportunities out there to bring all the uh, three dimensions uh, together. A typical example is paper versus uh, plastic. Say uh, you go to a grocery store, say you go to a grocery store and shop for or something. At the checkout, the cashier usually will ask you paper or plastic for bags. And uh, lots of people will pick paper bags because they think paper bags are more environmental friendly. But if you really look into the two choices and think about the so-called life cycle from raw material acquisition to end of life, the answer is not very straightforward. Start from a raw material. Paper bags start from wood. So apparently that's renewable. In uh, plastic bags, you have to start with uh, petroleum, which is not renewable. Then you move on to manufacturing stage. For this stage, actually, plastic bags consume much less energy and uh, chemicals than making uh, paper bags. So here, 
plastic bags have some advantage. Then uh, move to end of life. And uh, for our paper bags, the good news, they are biodegradable. But if you leave paper bags in landfill, they may release methane, which is a very, very powerful greenhouse gas. And uh, for plastic bags, they will just stay there for a very, very long time. But if you have plastic bags littering around, especially along the coastal region, get into ocean, um, that posed risk to uh, marine life. And uh, that has been a, a really big concern there. So now, if you think about paper versus plastic over the entire life cycle from raw material all the way to end of life, and um, it's not easy to make a clear decision and uh, regarding which one is really better to the environment. So the answer here is there's no clear winner between the two. And uh, it all depends on uh, value choice of people say uh, what you care the most. Now I'm going to talk about some of my research in this field. Let's start with uh, product design. And uh, when you uh, pick a simple product, for example, uh, office uh, stapler, and uh, you think about the life cycle. First, you need to make the office uh, stapler. And uh, during use phase, depending on the scenario, you may consume big amount of uh, staples and uh, those staples they are made of steel with some kind of plating or coating and uh, certainly after say five years the stapler is broken and may get run the field or ideal case it got recycled for plastic and metals so if you think about the entire life cycle and uh, if you do the so-called life cycle analysis trying to figure out the hotspot means which phase or which process will contribute the most to the overall environmental impacts. If you do that, you will figure out actually if we can recycle at the end of life for plastic and metals, the most significant contributor actually is due to the uh, staples consumed during the use phase. Now, if you try to redesign office stapler, I want to achieve this kind of a function, right? To hold papers together. Do we have to use staples? The answer is not really. If you look on the market, there are some prototypes, you know, office staplers, they don't really use staples. They, there's a nice mechanism they figured out, you know, they can just cut the uh, paper into a small piece and uh, make a tie. And uh, certainly the current uh, products on market, they cannot handle, you know, too many pages, maybe only less than 10, but that's a good starting point talking about how to realize a function and uh, at the same time using different mechanism and approach to reduce the life cycle environmental impacts. Let's move on to manufacturing process. And the first impression you have about the manufacturing process may be okay, they are all kind of dirty. And um, that's the motivation uh, for researchers, you know, to reduce 
the uh, environmental impacts. So reduce uh, emissions, uh, improve uh, material efficiency, and uh, reduce energy consumption. The example here is 3D printers. We all know 3D printing is getting popular, and um, those uh, tabletop 3D printers you can even find at home. And uh, the question is, do they carry some environmental impacts during the printing process? The answer is yes, because for those uh, tabletop uh, 3D printers, we use plastic uh, filament. Most of the filament, they are made of uh, ABS, one type of commonly used plastic. You need to heat the uh, ABS filament to certain temperature, for example, 200 degrees C. So the plastic filament will become semi-liquid. So you can deposit layer by layer to make your product. When you heat up plastic, you expect there will be some emissions coming out. Here we are talking about the volatile organic compounds, VOC, and also some tiny, tiny particles. In the lab, we run some experiments trying to measure the amount of particle emissions, and we find out most of the particles are in the range of 20 to 50 nanometers. So they are really, really small. Given that particle size, you know, they can achieve pretty deep uh, penetration into a human's uh, respiratory system. Means there could be some health impacts. At the same time, we see some volatile organic compounds emission. And uh, the good news is even we are using ABS, uh, we didn't detect cyanide, which is highly toxic, but we do have uh, some other uh, stuff coming out, again, which may pose some health risks. This is particularly important because we are talking about tabletop 3D printers used at home, not really industry setting, and the ventilation likely is not sufficient. So we know we have some air emissions and uh, potentially there will be some health risks. You can try to play with the filament. You don't have to use uh, ABS. Another commonly used material is uh, PLA, which is better because it's made from uh, cornstarch. Likely it's more environmental friendly. Also, you can try to play with your printing parameters. For example, adjust the temperature maybe lower it a little bit and also play with the printing speed and uh, the printing orientation. You can even try to modify your 3D printer. When you hold the printer head at a certain location and uh, if the time is longer and uh, when you start printing, you will see a big spike on particle emissions. So basically that means the residence time of the uh, plastic filament in the heated nozzle is a critical factor. You should try to redesign the printer and uh, to minimize the holding time of the residence time. And uh, certainly here we are talking about, you know, redesign the configuration, redesign the uh, 3D printer. I got the idea of, you know, try to determine the air emission from a 3D printing process several years ago when I visited the lab, which was heavily used by students. 
there were six 3D printers in a small room, and uh, the time I stepped in, I immediately uh, realized there's some kind of a strong smell, and uh, I know, okay, that must be some volatile organic compounds. And in that relatively closed space, the concentration may get higher and uh, maybe high enough to cause concerns. Later, we build our test chamber. Basically, we put the 3D printer into a small box, and there it's a controlled environment. We can measure how many particles are generated during the, uh, the printing process. The uh, key point is those uh, small tabletop 3D printers, they are made for home use, you know, for classroom use, and uh, they are not really for industry setting. But different from industry setting, at home, at the classroom, likely there is no sufficient uh, ventilation. And uh, when the manufacturer make those uh, printers, apparently they didn't really consider those constraints. Here, I won't blame those manufacturers because right now we don't have a regulation or standard for that. But based on our experiment results, there are some concerns. We recommend the uh, manufacturers to think about typical setting for 3D printer usage and uh, try to improve their product, improve the configuration and design. And uh, there should be a way to minimize the uh, air emissions during uh, 3D printing. So another project I'm working on is uh, supported by uh, Department of Energy's Critical Material Institute. There, we look at the life cycle uh, environmental impacts of uh, rare earth elements. Rare earth elements are critical to many, many clean energy applications. For example, electric vehicles, uh, offshore wind turbines, high efficiency lighting. Although those uh, clean energy technologies contribute to reducing the environmental impacts, the production of rare earth elements actually is not. And uh, we all know production of rare earth is a heavy polluting process. Right now, China dominates the, uh, the production. We were able to uh, collect some facility level uh, material energy and emission data from several Chinese facilities. And uh, we compiled the, uh, the inventory including material energy and emission. And uh, we uh, go ahead and uh, calculate the uh, full environmental footprints of rare uh, earth containing products, including magnets and uh, phosphorus. Professor Zhao, what's next for your rare earth element work? Expanding the coverage of uh, our life cycle assessment to include other critical materials, especially materials used in uh, lithium ion batteries, for example, lithium, cobalt, manganese, nickel, and also um, uh, graphite as the, uh, the inode material. Please tell us about how this research fits into the goals of your lab. My lab is called uh, Sustainable Engineering Technology and Systems. We start with engineering and technology, and we also look at uh, systems. For example, life cycle assessment, you know, we try to cover the entire supply chain. Our goal is try to develop new process, new technology 
and also new tool. And we hope those technology and tools will be used by industry, by government. And eventually we can improve the environmental performance of our industry system. Another important piece is education. I strongly believe in order to achieve the sustainable future, education is a key component. And we have to change people's behavior. And the best way to do that is through education at K-12 level, education at college level, and education at a graduate level probably is already too late, but certainly you know, it's one component. Your industrial sustainability research covers a wide range of areas. Before we end this podcast, I'd love to hear how you got interested in this work and what keeps you going. When I was doing my um, bachelor degree uh, in China at Tsinghua University, um, my major, my first major was uh, thermal engineering, which is uh, a division of uh, mechanical engineering. And uh, the junior year, I got the opportunity to uh, pick a second major, and uh, I decided to pursue environmental engineering. And uh, since then, I have been working um, at the uh, interdisciplinary area, you know, try to, you know, improve product process and technology to uh, reduce environmental impact. So it's a long journey, and, uh, but it's enjoyable. Thank you, Professor Zhao, for your time and for sharing your research. Be sure to listen to the two other Purdue Engineering podcasts featuring Triple E faculty. Also, see the show notes on the podcast website for additional information about environmental and ecological engineering. Tune in next month for more from the College of Engineering. Thank you.